Welcome back to another episode of the Next Level Minds podcast. For those of you who are tuning in for the first time, this is a podcast dedicated to those who want to reach a next level in their business, personal, or career life. Every other week, I'm blessed to sit down with a qualified guest and walk through their story of how they have gotten from point A to point B and overcame various adversities along the way. Before I get into my 15th episode, I have a couple uh, announcements on hand right now. And first off, just to reiterate my main goal, which is to impact over 1 million people with the Next Level Minds podcast. But before I can do that, I'm going to need a little bit of help on y'all's end. And that is, please send this to any family members, friends, etc., who you think would add value. Uh, number two, please subscribe on the Apple Podcast app. And third, if you could add a quick review, that would be great, good or bad. It won't hurt my feelings. That'll just help me out and help reach 1 million people. Now, most importantly, it's time to introduce today's guest, which is Terry Gallagher, an international speaker, author, and most importantly, the founder of Gallagher and Consultants, which is a gig workforce solutions company. She has over 20 years of experience as a gig workforce expert. Terry Gallagher has made it her personal mission to elevate the contingent workforce industry by leveraging a trademarked ecosystem model of delivery that includes a best of breed talent, technology, and alliance partners to provide contingent workforce and total talent management solutions. Her experience as a thought leader and workforce solutions disruptor has enabled Gallagher and consultants to provide best-in-class workforce solutions and talent supply chain strategies for several global and domestic contingent workforce programs for Fortune 100 and 500 clients across sectors such as finance, healthcare, manufacturing, retail, and telecommunications. As you can tell, Terry has an amazing background. However, that did not come without multiple failures and adversities. And on this episode, you can expect to hear about the gig economy, workforce solutions, and Terry's story of how she got from point A to point B in her life. Just a huge personal thank you for everyone out there who's taken the time to tune in and listen to this week's episode of Next Level Minds. And as we like to say here, your mindset is your greatest <laughs> weapon for the battle of success. Terry, thank you so much for, for taking the time to be a guest on the Next Level Minds podcast. I really appreciate it. Chris, I am thrilled to be here, and I love that intro. I'm going to have to bring you with me now. You know, whenever I go out to a speaking engagement, you can just do that for me, and, you know, I'll pay you. Let's talk about it. <laughs> I'll be the uh, the moderator, <laughs> right? Yeah. Excellent. That'd be great. That'd be great. Well, you know, first and foremost, appreciate you highlighting my introduction, but obviously you know yourself a lot better than I do. Before we really dive into today's episode, what do you want the listeners out there to know about you? Well, you know, I thought about this question, and I didn't want to go generic, you know. Mm. And so I think a couple of things that this is really important. One, I have imposter syndrome, and I deal with it on a daily basis. Okay. And a lot of people don't know that because they see me as very confident. But anytime you start a company and you get clients, and, you know, there's always that, at least for me anyway. Another thing is I started my company later in life. I started it at 49, which is a little bit unusual, although we're seeing that happen a lot more today, particularly in the gig economy. And I think last, I'm the oldest daughter raised by my father, a steelworker. So I was, you know, pretty much raised by a pretty masculine guy. And I think 
that's probably where I get all my masculine, you know, energy from like Scarface and Godfather and my mm. favorite movies. So that's where that comes from. So those are some little little tidbits to get us started. Of course, of course. And so I know you mentioned you started Gallery Consultants at 49. Where did you grow up? I mean, was it, I assume it wasn't in Charlotte. Where, where was that? I grew up in New York, upstate okay. New York, a uh, very blue collar, right? Um, so I'm pretty used to scrapping my way up mm. the ladder. That's been my, my kind of credo for most of my life. Gotcha, gotcha. So gathering consultants, what what is really the gig economy, you know, just to break it down for our listeners? Yeah, and you know, I'm so glad you asked that question because it's not complicated. People mm. complicated, but it's basically, it's the workforce that's not working as a permanent worker. So anyone that's driving for Uber or works as an independent consultant or a contractor or working for a staffing company. Basically, anybody who is not a permanent employee is a gig worker participating in the gig economy. Gotcha. So were you always involved in in that type of industry or, or did you take the time to just like completely divert once you started your own company? Well, I've always been in that industry. I started out in the staffing sector, and I saw a lot of opportunity to put strategies and processes and technology around this workforce and educate. And I wanted to basically do it my own way. And I saw a lot of changes happening, particularly with technology being the delivery system for independent consultants and freelancers. And I saw so many changes. I wanted to be part of the change and create solutions for clients that are in line with where the economy's headed today. And so that's why I created this consulting company and left a great big fat paycheck and a VP title to do that. And it's, you know, it's like once you do it, you just, you can't go back. You shape, you shape shift into somebody else that's completely unemployable. So yeah. Yeah. That's like really interesting. I mean, we met when I was actually in the staffing industry yeah, uh, on the account management side and I mean, I, I didn't even know this before I, I dove into it, but there's so much money and so much employees that go into this whole gig economy. Um, you know, I just assumed that all the employees at the banks or, or at the big energy firms were all just W-2 employees, but mm-hmm. I had no idea. Um, just kind of a rough estimate. How much do you think the holistic industry is from just a financial standpoint that goes into it? Well, it's a couple trillion. I haven't checked my stats lately, but it's roughly 40% of our workforce. Wow. Um, and you look at companies like Bank of America who spend literally billions of, of billions of dollars a year in contract labor. Google now has more um, gig workers than they do in permanent employees. Wow. So there's really a massive shift in this workforce and how this workforce is being leveraged. You know, it's not a fad. It's not something that is is kind of happening and then we're going to go back to where we were like this is the way we work today. When did it kind of begin to make that shift of everyone diverting from W2 just full-time employees more into the contingent programs? Well, I think um you know the the great recession, right, which wasn't mm. so great. Everybody calls it that, but you know, there people don't really trust that it's safe to go work for a permanent you know, to work for an employer, and that's like the only thing on the 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 table. And I don't want to disparage permanent employees' right. employment. I think that's ridiculous. But I think that people started thinking, you know, what I want to create my own path. And then, of course, with the evolution of technology coming in as a delivery system, and then all of these apps showing up, and just really providing all these different work streams and and ways for people to make a living. And there's a lot of people that say that Uber or that these gig platforms started the trend, and I don't think so. I think that they're responding to how we want to work. It's mm. the humans that created that. We want the flexibility. We want to work differently. Not everyone wants to work for a company for 30 years. Yeah. 
I, I definitely see that trend, especially around mm-hmm. uh, you know major metro cities, the Charlotte, the Atlantas, um, the Chicago's, et cetera. I think a lot of the, the younger generation especially likes that more of the flexibility side of things within the work environment. Um, with that said, what do you think are, I guess, some challenges right now in the workforce industry? Well, I think there's a few things going on. First of all, there's a lot of people that don't really understand the gig economy. So mm-hmm. you've got all the politicians and regulatory bodies jumping on and making it a, their platform that they're going to save these workers and help with benefits. And it, it's such crap because you can go and buy benefits. You know, you can right. fold them into a rate. All of these these protections that were created 200 years ago, you know, after the Industrial Revolution, when they had little kids climbing into machines, don't really fit today. Mm. So you've got they're, they're kind of jumping on these platforms and trying to create these protections that the workers don't really want. So I think it's really everyone's kind of struggling to understand this workforce. I think the regulatory bodies and the politicians are a little bit behind. Companies are really struggling. How do we leverage this workforce effectively? There's a lot of misperception around who this workforce is, but I think that the the traditional employment construct is really kind of crumbling to make way for this more fluid workforce and, and this way of working. And some of your best talent can only be found in these communities. Mm. You know, so I think people are struggling to catch up to this shift that has happened very rapidly and very radically. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of people are just on the traditional way of thinking and and not even thinking, you know, quote unquote, the next level of things, right, of Mm -hmm. the whole workforce economy. So let's back up here a little bit. I know you mentioned you started your company at 49. There's been a lot of talks on, on all my podcast episodes about how you're raised by your family and the situations that happen when you're younger kind of shape who you are today. Um, would you say growing up that you always had the, you know, the, the hustler's mentality, the work ethic, or was that kind of shaped more of as you started to go along in your career? No, I've always been that. I mean, I, you know, I grew up, we didn't, we never had a lot of money. Like it's just, you know, same, you know, as yeah. you said. every hungry, successful entrepreneur, almost all of them have like tough childhood story. I mean, mine was good. I was loved, but you know, we didn't have a lot of money. So I had like two jobs when I was 16, you know, because I liked really nice clothes and nice Mm -hmm. things. And so, you know, I, I learned early on, I've always had a really strong work ethic. And I think that that makes up for a lot. You know, I definitely will work. I will outwork the competition. I may not have the VC capital and the, you know, the big marketing and sales team, but I will outwork you all day long. And and we've gotten some really great clients that way. So, yeah, definitely, I, I think I got that growing up, and it's never left me, and, and I'm grateful for it. Yeah, just to add to that, I mean, when we met, I could tell you were just such a hard worker. You are willing to do whatever it took to get it done. Yeah, well, you, we have that in common. I think that's why we're both sitting here, right? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you with your three different businesses and your podcast and everything else, so. Yep, yep. And I agree, too, like, you know, I grew up, I started my first job landscaping when I was 12. Mm-hmm. And it would be like every dollar I made, I viewed it as a soldier of how this can provide for me, how this can provide for my future. And I think I that, that, yeah, I think it helps me out so much now because, you know, a lot of people I think graduate college never had the full knowledge of, of what money actually is. And then they mm-hmm. get out, make a decent salary, spin, spin, spin. But I've been blessed to actually like know where every dollar is going because I've been doing that for 10 years now. 14 years now. So 
Definitely agree with that. Yeah, I think it's going to serve you well. It already has. Yeah, let's hope so. Let's hope it continues <laughs> the, uh, the growth that we're seeing. So what was your first job? I'm just curious, actually. What was my first job? Oh, newspaper route. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, and I had to, like, shake down the old ladies who weren't paying me. You know, that was really hard. But, you know, I'm like, look, I need the money. So... It was a good practice for things later in life. Yeah. Well, so what was that process like? Was it? I, I assume now you send out invoices and say, "Hey, this is net 15. Net no, 30. this is like, bad. <laughs> like I told you, I started my company yeah, at forty nine, no. right? So you young folks are so sweet. Um, this was like you didn't have that. It was just like here's the invoice. You know, you just give them like a little slip, and uh, you know they didn't have the money, and you know so. But I I loved the feeling of making my own money, and I didn't have mm. to go ask my parents for money for pizza or go get a pair of jeans I wanted, like that freedom. And I think that's why a lot of people start their own companies, and probably you too, is because of that freedom, mm-hmm. you know, that you can create your own income and you can go as far or as high as you want to, and you're not dependent on somebody else kind of putting a limit on that. But the, the other side of it is if you don't hustle and, and grind and do what you need to do, then... It's not going to go anywhere. Yeah. What did, What advice would you have out there for those who you know, they want to create the financial freedom for themselves? They're they're, they're entrepreneurial, but you know they, they haven't yet completely started yet. But they, but they have an idea. Would you suggest any advice out there? Well, I think you know you've got to just kind of start. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest mistake I've seen is people wait for everything to be perfect and have all the right VC capital lined up and have clients and. Mm you got to just start and kind of do it imperfectly and then just keep going and keep learning from there. And I, it's interesting because when I first started this company four years ago, there's a group of people that I kind of found and we bonded and they did the same thing and either people I worked with in my industry or people I met. And there's probably like eight or nine. And four years later, out of that group, I'm the only one still standing. The rest either went back to work wow. or the companies didn't work out. And the thing that I've seen for me, the 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 biggest sign of success is that they're just willing to to do whatever it takes. Mm. You know, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they talk about passion, but if you don't like have the grit and keep going, like 80% of this stuff I spend my time on, on is crap I hate doing on yeah. a daily basis. <laughs> we talked about that, we did. right? And so many people don't want to do that and they don't want to do it every day for four years and they don't want to wait, you know, for the, the payoff. And I started with some people. I'm like, I know you're not going to make it. I could just, I could tell, and I didn't want to tell them, but they just didn't want to do the work. They didn't really want to do it. I struggle with that too, and we did have that discussion. I believe it was last Sunday. You know, a lot of the, eighty percent of the tasks are stuff you don't want to do. Mm-hmm. That happens with me as well. What advice did you have out there to to put the same amount of pride and work ethic that you would as as we are right now, actually doing a podcast, which we probably love doing. Um, what, what advice would you have out there to like implement that same passion into it? Well, I think it's that 80%, you've got to embrace it, you know, hmm. embrace the grind. We've heard that before, but I always try to think about my clients are counting on me to do this. And I really care about our clients. There's a lot of people in my family that are rooting for me. I had to borrow a ton of money for this company. So, and still paying people back. And so there's a part of this that's like, that's part of that path. That's part of me getting to the the end game. And so I've learned to just kind of make it my friend, you know, just like fear made that my friend too. When you started Gallery Consultants, and I think a lot of entrepreneurships have this, did, did you ever have any struggles of comparing yourself to others? I don't have this VC, I don't have this, I don't have that. Um, you know, surprisingly, not really, because I just I felt like I was doing something really different in the space. I didn't really compare myself too much to other people. And, you know, part of that is, you know, I'm a huge like 
Blue Ocean girl, if you've read Blue Ocean, Red Ocean. So mm. I really am a big believer in creating your own market and creating your own category and just kind of focusing on what you want to create. But be open to to feedback and and listen to other people. And I've gotten some really great advice along the way and some really crappy advice along the way too, but you kind of learn. Yeah. How do you weed out the good from the bad advice? You know, I think one of the biggest ways is when people give you unsolicited advice right away, I'm just like, that's discredited because you're not coming from a place of generosity. <laughs> yeah. You know, when somebody says, hey, can I can I give you some advice? I go, no, I, I don't think you're qualified, really, unless you're like another entrepreneur. I know that's really mean to say, <laughs> but <laughs> but you know funny. what I mean? Those people yeah, that yeah. like, oh, can I give you some advice? You're like, no, not really. I don't think you're qualified, but yep. thanks. And then they look at you like, wait, what? Yeah, so I think I think there's that, and I and I think the other thing I learned too is that when I first started, I thought everyone else was smarter, you know, because other people who were running companies. So I listened to all these other people, and I spent five thousand dollars on a marketing strategy I could have Googled for free mm. in like ten minutes, and so I kind of learned to to trust my own instincts and not to depend so much on on outside people and and what they thought, even though they might have a bigger company or they've been in business longer or they, you know, or people who teach sales and they know about sales and I had to learn to sell. And so I really learned to trust my own instincts and get advice where it's, where it's needed. But that's probably a huge mistake I made is just listening to way too many people mm. and taking bad advice that really wasn't a fit for what I wanted to do and create. Mm. And I think that goes back to what you mentioned. The secret to get started is, is actually just to get going on it and actually take initiative. Right, Exactly. And I think that goes back from learning from experience because you can watch, you know, 365 days of YouTube videos on marketing, but I guarantee you're going to learn a lot more than doing 30 days of actually doing the procedure mm-hmm. of what you're trying to learn. Mm-hmm. So I think that all goes back to that point you made yeah. earlier. It works when, you know, you get clients. So, yeah. So what was that process like of of starting your company I know a lot of people try to start companies like myself in their 20s. And then what was that process like after you've had all that that career experience? And then I'd love after, if you answer that, if you could uh, just do a deep dive on Gallagher Consultants. I tried my best to, oh, to give it an introduction. You. but Talk about kinda, my favorite thing. Yeah, talk about your company after, after you kind of follow up on that question. Okay, so what was the question again? Yeah, so what was that process like? Because like I said, I, a lot of our listeners out there, including myself, are are trying and right. hopefully succeeding and starting businesses in their in their early 20s, mid-20s. So what was that process like of, of starting a company after having all of that career experience behind you? Well, I think there's definitely some advantages. You know, there's mm-hmm. a lot of people that feel like, oh my God, I'm 50 years old. This is when I need to start thinking about retirement. But we're actually seeing a lot of people in the gig economy. In fact, that's the fastest growing sector is over 50 in the gig wow. economy me because they've got all this experience and they want to they want the flexibility but I think the advantages are you're a lot more seasoned you know you've really got marketable skills you kind of know your strengths and weaknesses you've got some really great business acumen you know mm-hmm. how to make money you know I've met so many startups and no offense to like the younger ones but especially if they're sitting on VC capital and they just have no concept of profit. And I was consulting with one company to help them build out their, their value prop. And they just got a, you know, $10 million seed round. And they're like, Oh, we don't really care about profit. That's not really where we're focused. (laughs) Like, good luck with that. (laughs) (laughs) See if you're still around next year. Right. So I think that that helps. I think the disadvantages probably are, you know, when you're younger, you've got a lot more energy 
you tend to be a little bit more flexible in the way that you see things. So I really try to be around people that are younger like yourself. Mm-hmm. And I have some friends that are younger that kind of just keep my mind thinking about things differently because mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest mistakes you can make when you're of a certain age and you get into your 50s is you just get very rigid in your thinking, mm. right? And you've got all the answers. And I run into that quite a bit with some peers I've met. So, Why do you think people in their 40s and 50s think that they're finished, like, oh, it's time for retirement. I'm not going to build a company. Why do you think that that seems to happen sometimes? Well, I think it's just that's an outdated mode of thinking because mm-hmm. that's what the, the workforce has been for the past 200 years, right. you know? You work, and then you collect your pension, and then you retire, and you find a nice community and have the grandkids. And so we're also living longer because we're healthier, so that that paradigm doesn't really work anymore. Yeah. So a lot of people are starting all over at you know, 50, 60. I read an article about one guy that started in his 70s. He left a manufacturing, wow. left a manufacturing career to create this kind of green waste disposal company. It was hmm. something he was kind of interested in. And then the first couple of years, he made like $5 million, five wow. $10 million. And it was like, he was in his seventies, you know? Jeez. So that's what I love about the gig economy. It's a great equalizer. There's another, a friend of mine's son is 16 and he does that whole slime thing. You know, he records oh, yeah. building slime and he makes 60K a year. He's 16 wow. years old and he's got a million Instagram followers. So you've got him and then you've got the 70 year old guy who's also creating his own company. And that's what I love about the gig economy. It doesn't discriminate. Yeah. It just creates ample opportunities Yeah, for those who are willing to put in Absolutely. Work. Yeah. So, so with Galler and Consultants, what, what was it like getting your first client and just explaining what you do, explaining your business process? Right. What was that? What was that like? Well, it was a huge wave of relief because I was like, Ooh, I can afford like the good lipstick now. So that was really kind of <laughs> awesome. <laughs> And, you know, I think what, you know, we're really what we do is we're, because I hate the word consulting because there's so many, I don't know, there's some really bad consultants out there, you know, and we're very much focused on execution and outcomes. So we're really a workforce strategy company, but really what we do is we're professional orchestra conductors. So we bring in technology and we bring in processes and recommendations and we kind of use that and build out this whole, um, solution around a company's gig workforce. So Mm. all the things that exist for permanent labor, like quality control and Mm -hmm. are you paying the right money and how are you leveraging that labor and where are you getting that labor? None of that exists for the gig economy. And some companies, it could be half their workforce. Mm. So we bring that in, but we wrap that around the way that these people want to work, i.e. they don't really care about benefits, but you do need to look at are you are they are they high quality workers? How are you managing and measuring them? So we bring in technology and solutions and mm. and build that for them. So it's basically a wrapped up approach with all the gig workers in one company, and you provide all those services to them. Correct, and we also help people that um, tech companies that are you know providing gig workers how to really connect their value prop to the client. So anyone that's participating in that ecosystem, we help them too. Hmm. So the technology, like, you know, the on-demand workforce platforms, we've had them as clients and help them kind of build out their strategy and have that voice of the customer. Here's what the customer's looking, you know, for. Because a lot of them, we're actually, I'm a mentor on several um, talent tech labs in New York and then um, Packer Place here in Charlotte to help these companies because I find a lot of them, they're so in love with their sexy technology and they're so far removed from what the client's pain is and how Mm. to connect it. 
So we help them with that and, and what that looks like. What are some ways you think they could get closer to, to what the client's actual needs are? Well, you know, it's funny. I'm going to do a video on this. In fact, I'm going to borrow this equipment. Maybe I'll have <laughs> to like, book this. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing is, you know, doing your research and what is the client's pain and then doing a demo and doing it in a way that tells the story of the technology and connects the technology to here's how we're going to solve your problem instead mm-hmm. of just, you know, what most do is they just open up the demo and just fly through every sexy feature and function. They don't take a breath. They don't engage. And the client just turns off, you know, just they, they it kind of turns them off. They're not really paying attention. So I think things like that and then just really understanding the problem that you're solving and does the technology really solve it? And not as it just is because it's cool technology and somebody somewhere someday will want to buy it. Mm, mm. And really just focusing on the, the actual client's need and attaching mm-hmm. the technology to the pain points that they may have. Mm-hmm. I, I think that goes with, I think a lot of people are trying to rush the process. Um, again, as you touched on, sitting on all this venture capital money, but then not taking the time to really hone in on the whole business operation side of we need to do this, the client wants this. Um, I think it goes back to that point you made earlier um, for sure. So with um with your company, you've had a lot of growth. Um, touching on the clients. Yep, that, lately. Uh, yeah, lately. Hashtag gratitude. Yes, yes. I know we touched on that a little bit uh, when we met off air. Within every growth, I haven't heard one story that hasn't had any uh, struggles or failures along the way. Um, <laughs> if you're doing it right. <laughs> yeah, and uh, if they have it, uh, their business may fail soon. So if you wouldn't mind me asking, I mean, what are some struggles you had? Oh, my God, initial- people wouldn't believe the stuff you and I talked about. Um, <laughs> You know, it's it's kind of like you're in the honeymoon phase. I started out with like I cashed in everything, my 401k and savings and sold my house and sold my car and went blue through all of that. And then I'm like, what am I going to do? And then I maxed out my credit cards. And meanwhile, I'm building a market marketing strategy and learning how to sell and trademarking our model and getting people to work for me and grabbing what clients I could. And everyone tells you it takes a good three to four years. And it got to a point where I literally was just out of money. I couldn't borrow anything more. I couldn't go to my family. And I just remember one year at Christmas, like, I was home. I hadn't eaten in two days, and it was Christmas. Like, this is sounds it sounds like such a sad story, but I'm like, I'm not asking anybody for money. I'm sick of borrowing money. I can't. It's humiliating. So I went to, um, we talked about this, I went to one of the hotels in Uptown for free breakfast. And I just kind of snuck in and I and it was Christmas day and I pretended to be like a resident there. And I will tell you, it's weird, but it was one of the best Christmases I ever had because mm. I went, everybody was so friendly and yeah, I was flat broke, but it was, it was my company and it was mine. And so what, you know, I live in this country where I can go and get free breakfast and in an odd way, it was it was literally one of the best Christmases I ever had. The feeling of like joy and freedom, mm. and I didn't mind. Yeah, I was broke. I didn't mind. I didn't have the BMW and the fancy three thousand dollar purse and the eight hundred dollar shoes, and and I didn't care. I was so happy. Yeah, and I think that's. I remember you telling me that story. Yeah, that's, that's when you brought that up again. Um, and by that, by the way, that hotel, I promise you, I'll pay you back because I'm going to book some room. <laughs> I, I've spent money there before. Yeah, no, I've uh, I've I've done that same thing mm-hmm. at some hotels back in my hometown. So I'll, I'll pay we'll talk about eventually. that. Yeah, I know you touched on it earlier. You sold your car, cashed out your four hundred one k, basically put all the chips in. 
did you all just, in. Yeah, did you just believe in, in your product and service that much that, that you took that risk? Well, you know, truthfully, I didn't really know what I was in for. Like, mm-hmm. I did believe in it, but I didn't know that that's how far I was going to have to go. And I way underestimated how long it was going to take to make money. So there's a little bit of like, once you're in, it's like, well, I'm not going to turn back now. And I did believe in it that much. But also, I think I just knew I would figure it out. Like I knew I would survive it and I knew somehow it would just come together. And maybe you call that higher power or God or or whatever people believe in. But, you know, I definitely had help, you know, from another source of, you know, just saying, hey, hang in there. This is, this is going to work out. Yeah. Did you, so I assume people always ask you, you know, how's business going? How's this? When you got asked that question when you were flat broke out of money, did you lie about it or did, were you very honest? Oh, it's going great. We're doing I, you know, I'm a big, I try to be careful of the language I tell myself in my head or out uh, loud. Yeah. And you and I talked about that and it's just so powerful. Like people don't realize how important it is, how you talk to yourself. So I would say the truth. I would say it's getting there, uh, you know, a little cash flow issue right now, but it's on its way. And I would never say, oh my God, this sucks and I have no money. And yeah, because that's just, it sounds it sends out bad energy, mm. and and that energy. I mean, it's negativity. It can just bring you down so much, mm-hmm. and you don't even realize it. Well, you know, because look at what you're creating and what you're doing, and you know, you you're leaving like the safety of. I mean, you're still kind of, you know, you've got a little bit of steady money coming in, but you've definitely taken a huge risk. Yeah, I've learned so much along the way too. I think it goes back. Um, I actually had a guy call me the other day. Said, "Hey, I'm, I'm looking to start a podcast. I've been watching these videos. I'm like, hey." Quit watching the videos, just dive in and start. Just dive in? Yeah, your first one you told me you did on your iPhone. <laughs> yeah. In, yeah. In an apartment, there's like cars driving by. <laughs> my first episode sounds pretty good though, so. Yeah, you just start. You just jump in. Yeah, shout out to my audio engineer, Matt Drozd, for uh, the good edits on his end. On his end <laughs> yeah, so. Matt, he had great things to say about you, by the way. Oh, great, great. Um, So within selling all this and then, you know, you, you took these risks was there ever a point where you were just so stressed out, like, oh, I want to give up, I, this isn't going to happen, or, or did you just, again, keep totally. pushing through? I had some really, actually, some really, really dark, scary moments where I'm just like, I can't do this anymore. Like, um, there's a couple times I literally couldn't get out of bed. I was just like, I mm-hmm. stayed in bed. You know, I'm just like, I can't. I can't. I can't do this. I suck. I've screwed up my life. I've, you know, I've spent all my money. My friends, I have a couple of friends not even returning my phone calls because I'm poor. Like, I was like, how did I go from a $400,000 house in BMW and 250K a year to like a 600 square foot apartment with no furniture and a mattress and no food in the refrigerator and I can't borrow any more money? Wow. And so I guess it's extreme. It's an extreme way to go. But I also believe that if you really want to go big and you want to create a big company, then you've got to equally the other way, sacrifice that big. Because mm. anyone that's created huge, huge companies, these stories are not that unusual. You and I talked about that, right? Some of our, our mentors or people we admire. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think anybody went through the process of building something big without having right. to give up so much along the way. Right. Yeah, what what kept you going in that time? It's like, I mean, everyone's going to have dark times and not getting out of bed and not having food in their fridge. I mean, what, what kept you going? My family, my sister, my sister Jackie, if she listens to this, I call her up and I'm just like, I can't, I'm done, you know, and she, you know, she just kind of talked me out of it, thank God. Um, so I think it's that. And I think it's also just that something, whether it's, I definitely, you know, I do, I, I do believe in God. I do believe in there's a higher power. And I yeah. think that's when that kicks in. And I think sometimes you have to be brought to your knees 
to really build you back up. Because frankly, some of the stuff that we've got going on now in my business, I wouldn't have had the guts to go after mm. if I didn't go through all of those things, right? If having my worst fear realized, having no money and none of the things that I thought made me cool with my BMW and all of that gone, and I'm still pretty cool. I'm still pretty, I'm still me. So I think that that happens for a reason. And, you know, sometimes people have to, to go through that to be strong enough to really then embrace the business that you're creating. Because I'm going after stuff I would never have had the guts to go after two years ago. But I'm like, I don't care. I've gone without food for two days. I've donated plasma to keep my electric bill on. So you don't scare me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do? Tell me no. You don't like my product. You know, what's the worst that could happen? Kick yeah. me out. Yep. That's funny you brought up plasma. That's literally how I got through my last semester of college. See, you are so scrappy too, right? That's what, <laughs> yeah. that's the connection. Like we will do whatever it takes. Yeah. And people thought I was crazy. Like I remember I was, I remember at that time I was trying really hard to invest in the stock market and people were like, oh, just take the money out of your stocks. I'm like, no, 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 I'm keeping right. that. And I literally go donate plasma. Then you have a beer after and you feel great. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I felt really dizzy, but yeah. yeah. What, um... So when you're going through that dark time, and I'm, you know, uh, unfortunately, some people out there may be going through some similar mm-hmm. circumstances. Um, what's some initial steps you you would just offer up to them to to really get out of that run? Well, I think you've got to just. It's almost like you have to go into denial a little bit, you know, and just kind of ignore it. Like, yeah, this this is what's going on, but I know that I'm onto something, and you just kind of keep going forward. Even if it's just some days, it's keep going forward means climbing out of bed. That's still a step forward. Maybe it's climbing out of bed and making one cold call mm. or climbing out of bed and a script for a video or climbing out of bed and put together that proposal, you know, whatever it takes. But I think you just have to keep going. It's such a cliche. Like, I don't feel like I'm going to share anything that hasn't already been said, but said a thousand times, but it's so much more meaningful when you experience it because you're like, my God, that's so true to never give up. Like, like that's the most profound thing, but it's true. Yeah. Would you say that a lot of people are just, you know, they get comfortable in the run that they're in and they don't even realize that they're in one? Well, yeah. I mean, it's definitely seductive, right? Mm. Comfort. And, you know, there's so many people out there that have things they want to do. And it's like, wow, the kids are in college and I can't, and I've got a wife. But I, I don't, I don't think that if you really want to do something, you'll figure it out. There's lots of successful entrepreneurs that had wives and kids, and you know, look at um, the author of Harry Potter, right? On welfare, what was her name? I can't remember her name. You know uh, what I'm talking J- about? JK. Yeah, yeah she was on welfare with her kid, and That's same right. thing. And she, she's, she somehow figured it out. So, I think if you want it badly enough to go after it. And I also believe like we are amazing creatures, human beings. You know, we have these amazing brains and what we can create and what we can do. And there's so many people that go to their grave and never, ever explore that. But mm-hmm. I firmly believe that every single person on this planet was put on this planet to to for a very powerful reason. You know, no one else will exist like you mm-hmm. ever. You're the only one. You're the only one. And so I think that you being you and and you guys listening out there, if you're having those dark moments and you're like, I suck and you know, I have no money and this is the stupidest thing I ever did. My wife is leaving me. Just know that if you created something and you started, you did that for a reason. Mm. That was not accidental. Mm. That's just such a good point. Everyone has their own true purpose. True, absolutely. How, how do you think 
that people out there could, could find the purpose that they're meant to do? Is it, is it just by trying stuff or, or praying or, or what's out there for that? Um, I don't think it's an aha moment. Mm. I think it's something like, hey, this would be, I think it's more like, you know, I'd really like to do this. Let's go and let me try it out. And um, you might, it might not be the right thing, but I think that's the biggest mistake. Everybody waits for angels to come down and tell them this is your purpose. And it's, I think the voice that tells you your purpose is much quieter mm. and it's much easier to ignore. Mm. And again, I know we've reiterated this so much, but I think it just goes back again to, tr- to trying things and putting your foot in the water. Like I would have never learned what I know about myself today and like my potential purpose I think I have if I have never made the jump and started this podcast. Exactly. Because now I'm like, wow, like I've had people randomly text me and say, I really like this episode that's helped me get through <laughs> this. And I'm like, wow, like my, I feel like one of my main purposes right now is helping people reach their full potential. But I would have never realized that, you know, if I just worked eight to five and never tried anything different. Yeah, you just you just start, just go. Yeah. Don't wait for it to be perfect. What um, what would you say like one of your biggest learning lessons was along the way of of just kind of the growth that you've had? Um, probably the biggest thing is, and my you know, I was kind of a jerk before I started this process. <laughs> you know, I was just so full You're so of like. Nice now. <laughs> I know I'm so much nicer, but you know, after going through this and building your own company, because it really strips away all your crap because you're mm. left with yourself because it's your company. So I really learned that I'm a lot stronger than I thought I was. I've become a much more authentic person. I've become much more. Um, I've been kind. I'm a kinder person. You know, I just was so oblivious before with my BMW and my house and my big fat check, and so disconnected from who I really was. And so, you know, somebody once said, and Ed Milet and a few others, you and I like love these guys. And but they say that starting your own company is the best self development best self development plan out there because Mm. it strips away your crap and it forces you to really embrace who you are. And you're left alone, you on the stage creating that company, and you're just forced, if you've got demons, they're going to show up, and you're just forced to really just be your most authentic, strongest self, because if you can't, you're not going to eat. You know, you've got to figure that out. That's such a good point. Yeah, Uh, you know. Yeah, I do, I do. And and we talked about Ed Milet a little bit. He he used to shower when he got evicted outside. (laughs) I was waving at him, hey, Ed, I don't have any, there's this... (laughs) Great brunch down at the hotel. Yeah. If I was there, I would have told him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He actually was in Charlotte not too long ago. Oh, I missed him. Yeah. they Those guys always randomly come through here. Um, do you have any, I know you touched on gratitude a little bit, and I've been really big on this lately, is a morning routine and an evening routine. Do you have anything that kind of mm-hmm. just gets you started for the day or ends the day on a positive note? Yeah, I really do. Um, I do have a routine and I really try to stick with it. So the first one, I do meditate. Mm. I use Insight Timer. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. or headspace, those are some good ones. Um, and then I also, every morning, I fill out the three things I'm most gratitude, grateful for and then what I'm most proud of that day. And I put it in Asana. It's a project management tool. Oh, yeah. I actually use that, yeah. Yeah, I love it. And so I have, like, different categories, even not just work, but spiritual health. Yeah. Um, and then I try to put goals in each of those. And... I just try to get my mind right, you know, and and focus on what I have to be grateful for. But there's some days like I jump out of bed and I'm just like, things are exploding in my business and this client, you know, yeah. and I don't meditate. And so, um, but yeah, I, I'm very committed to that routine. And sometimes I do forget. And then every Friday, I actually have a journal, not a journal, but it's a, a book of all of my my biggest goals. And I look through them, and then I copy them over. I write them every every 
Friday, which is really oh, wow. time-consuming and annoying because, but the purpose of writing them, and it just does something to your brain. It just kind of plugs it into your brain. Yeah. And then I write, what could I have done better to 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 meet these goals? But yeah, I have a little notebook and and I've scratched a few off this month, which uh, is really pretty congrats. cool. Yeah, thank you. Do you um do you do any evening journals at all, or is it mainly just the the Friday work and in the morning? Yeah, yeah, no, not really. I mean, there's some days I'll come back and I'll kind of reflect, but you know, those the things in the morning are what yeah. I kind of stick with. Do you? How often do you look at your goals and kind of evaluate your one month, three months, six months goals, or do you do that a lot? Or well, I have every Friday, and then also in my Asana project. I I have more tangible goals, mm. but I have, you know, financial goals that I want to meet and goals in my company. And I have a manifesting PowerPoint. You know, I do all of that hokey woo-woo stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but I, tr- you know, I look at that too. I And I think the biggest thing is I picture what it would, f- I picture it in my mind and what it would feel like in my body to like get the black Maserati, uh, you know, and I picture myself driving it. And so I do things like that. Or, you know, I had a really challenging client call coming up and I was nervous because these guys are tough and I just pictured what would it be like them laughing and they loved my proposal and what does that feel like in my body and I do things like that I do cokey stuff like that yeah, but it does work it does. do you I, yeah. <laughs> it works and people most think of the time crazy shared I'm like trust me it works yeah <laughs> yeah I do all that it's like trying to describe for people who don't do it it's like trying to describe you just saw like a genie or something it's right like, I yeah I swear it works <laughs> I swear it'll grant your wishes um how do you and I struggle with this a lot how do you really take time and just be at peace when you visualize things because I try to visualize you know the black Maserati the the plane, the this or that, and then mm-hmm. I'm like, start thinking, my mind just goes crazy on things. How, what are some steps you take to just like be at peace with that? <clears throat> well, I, I'm pretty good at mind control now, so mm-hmm. I really try to shut things out, and even if it's just like a couple moment, you know, moments, um, but I set time aside to do it. You know, you can't do it in the middle of a hectic day, right? The mornings are really better yeah. for that. And then I really try to watch my stress level because I, I struggle with anxiety. I've struggled mm-hmm. with it my whole life, and... So that's another reason that I do the meditation. And so I really try to just monitor my state constantly. And, you know, the old me, before I started this coming, I would get stressed out and I'd react and I was not in control of my state. But when you start your own company and you have the stress that you have and the things you've got to accomplish, you have to get your state under control. You have to. Mm. My uh, One of my friends the other day told me, he's like, you know, it's impossible for the, the chemicals in your brain of stress to interact with the chemicals in your brain of gratitude. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, huh. And that actually makes a lot of sense if you think about that. And just getting your mindset under control. Because I think, you know, for everyone that's starting companies and running a lot of stuff or high up in their job, I think, you know, unfortunately, I'm sure you've seen it too. People, a lot of people implode um, that don't have their mindset right because they just they can't handle the stress. It's just really sad to see. We well, you know a friend of mine, he's a fantastic mentor, Josh York. He's the mm. founder of Gym Guys, and I've reached out to him a couple times. And he said, some days you just got to be an actress. You know, if you're not feeling strong and whatever, yeah, you can fake it, you know, but whatever you do, don't let them see you sweat ever. Mm. Don't tell people you're broke. Don't tell people you don't know what you're doing. Um, never. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And then just showing the confidence, right? I think yeah. confidence is a main part of uh, of entrepreneurship. And, and start your business. Um, if you had to describe success in one word, what would that be? Oh my God, what did I put? <laughs> oh, tenacity. Mm. It's not very sexy. Yeah, elaborate though. 
tenacity, grit, like just keep going, just keep trying, just like you did. You threw your phone down. That's your podcast start. <laughs> then you got a little bit better. Um, but for those of you out there that are starting a company and you, and you feel passionately about it, if you keep at it, you'll make it, hmm. you know, but you've got to keep at it and you've got to do the, the stuff you don't want to do and you've got to do it consistently and for a long time. And you've got to go without money for like a long time. Mm. Mm. And then again, I think without without the money and, and keep going after it, and that's the whole mindset behind mm-hmm. it as well. So tenacity, that's your word, huh? Yep, that's my word. I love it. Tenacity. I love it. Yeah, mine's always persistence. There you go. Uh, I think Same it family. Kind of goes hand in hand. Like I've, had, I've had a lot of people, um, just if I'm in a sales process with them, they're like, you're very persistent. <laughs> well, we talked about that. You're giving me some tips, some sales tips. I remember. Yep, yep. Well, I'm, I'm no Grant Cardone, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I've learned a lot. <laughs> um, so, where? Um, what's next for Gallery Consultants? And you know, where can people connect with the company? Learn more about it. Well, I'm coming with a book. Yes. So, um, Death of the Gold Watch: The Rise of the Gig Workforce. So, very excited about that. And um, we wrote that book. Really, is kind of a to explain in plain terms what the gig economy is and how companies can leverage it to, you know, raise their productivity and just take, demystify it, right? Mm. So we we really explain what it is, um, how it works, how it's really changed the way we work. So that's certainly real big for for me right now. And then, you know, what's next is just um, continue to grow my company and, and try to do it the right way and do it ethically and, and contribute something of meaning and be an example for my niece who... That keeps me going because I didn't want to fail because of her, you know, and other people that are rooting for me. So that's pretty much it. If you want to find me, I, you can find me on LinkedIn or you can reach me at terry at gallagherandconsultants.com or call me 704-640-2483 or find me on LinkedIn or Insta or Twitter or Snapchat yeah, <laughs> or, all of, on all of them. I'm like, it's free marketing, people. Yes. Why are you not on it? It's free marketing. It's not that hard. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Especially, yeah, a lot of people, they're like, oh, I'm only on Instagram, but I'm not on Facebook. I'm only yeah. on like, You should get on every single one. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, remind me of the book title again. Um, Death of the Gold Watch, The okay. Rise of the Gig Workforce. You can find it on Amazon in print or um, hardcover, hardcover or um, ebook. Mm. And I'll make sure uh, as well, guys, to put uh, a link to the book um, and Terry's oh, website thank you. Uh, in the show notes. So if you guys want to check it out. Um, the link will be in there for, for you guys to look at. Thank you. Um, Terry, thank you so much for, for being a guest. This is uh, this is an awesome episode. I think you added a lot of value uh, to the listeners out there. It was an honor to be here. Thank you for having me. You were a great, great, great interviewer. So oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And, <laughs> Thanks, uh, everyone. Of course, of course. And, and everyone out there, just to, to summarize this episode, I hope everyone got a lot of value from this. I uh, have learned a lot um, with speaking with Terry right now just about the hustle and grit that goes into starting a company. And I think a lot of times out there it looks so glamorous, but it's really not. You know, you have to take the time to eat dirt for a little bit. and You have to take the time to, to take pride in growing your company because it is going to get somewhere. You just have to be patient with it. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing, too, that Terry brought out to me is just, you know, it's going to be very stressful and it, it's going to be hard, but keeping that mindset right and keeping the the dedication to the craft, I think is really going to help you finish what you started. Um, And I just wanted to personally thank everyone for taking the time to tune in today to this week's episode of Next Level Minds. As I mentioned at the beginning, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, share it with a friend who you think will add value. And I want to encourage 
everyone out there to keep hustling on their business, career, and personal life. And as we like to say here at the Next Level Minds podcast, your mindset is your greatest weapon for the battle of success.